0: Welcome to episode 91 of the Midwest Angle Podcast. I am Scott Sturman, and I'm with my buddy, Matt Deitch. What's happening? Not much,
1: man. Not, not, I feel like we got Matt. like a countdown going on.
0: We do. We're, we're counting
1: down to 100.
0: Countdown to 100. That's, you know that?
1: Down to single digits.
0: Golly, that's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. But, uh, no 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 <laughs> all of a sudden i say no and i i forget what i'm gonna say i but thought i did something wrong i was yeah, like what? oh no crap. knock it off I'm sorry no, hey 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 <laughs> all right no uh one thing that i want to quick address uh, do a little housekeeping before we start this episode uh and, and really get into the fishing and whatnot um uh, i've gotten a couple messages here in the uh the last few weeks uh saying that uh, on Monday mornings, when because normally we drop episodes on Monday morning, this one's going to be Tuesday morning, but uh, um, the episodes aren't showing up right away for people with Google Play music. And uh, I'm not 100% sure. I've done a little bit of digging. Uh, our subs- or, well, We don't have a subscription, but uh, we're still in good standing with Google Play, so I'm not exactly sure what's going on there. But I can tell you Google is uh, switching a lot of their stuff over to Google Podcasts. That's a new app that you can download and and I realize that most people that have these uh, Android phones come stock with the Google Play Music. Um, If you want to, download the Google Podcasts app and uh, I think that that one's going to be a little bit better for you going forward. Uh, I do also know I've gotten a couple messages from some people that listen to Listen to us on iHeart, and uh, iHeart uh, for some reason seems to be one week behind. So <laughs> I'm not exactly sure what's going on there, but uh, I guess you're not getting current events, but uh, you're still getting a new episode every single Monday morning. It's just uh, one episode behind. But uh, if you, uh, if we're on Podbean, we are on Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, also iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts. Uh, I, I don't know basically anywhere that, that you can but uh, if you are listening to us and uh, uh, you enjoy us please hit that uh, hit a subscribe button give us a thumbs up. Uh, if you're on iTunes or any other podcast uh, deal that you can leave us a rating that would be awesome if you would um, but yeah that's that's my uh, housekeeping uh, for for today um, going into fishing now uh, obviously the big news, this week is uh, the passing of tommy scarless and uh you know me and matt did not know tommy scarless personally but uh you can clearly tell by social media that uh, the people that did know him uh you know th- this was a big one for the fishing
1: community it, it really was i mean it, people from all walks of you know fishing life are really reaching out and sharing stories about him and just how great of a guy he truly really was and uh yeah it, you know ice fishing guys are talking about how great a guy he wasn't just a, a walleye guy he was just an all-around fisherman and
0: right touched i touched
1: mean, a lot of people's lives professional
0: crappie fishing yeah. professional walleye fishing and and uh I, I think he just had a really positive outlook on everything uh i mean i i think he was a strong person in his faith uh i don't think cancer rattled him a whole lot and and not that he let anyone know but uh you know
1: going strong
0: right you know all the way to the end and and he left a wife and and two young kids and uh god dang it that just man you know and not only is it tough on the community or or on the fishing community but you know that's just bad you know for for everyone you know when when a father leaves his kids like that and whatever but yeah i don't know uh obviously that was something that we had to address and uh you know, me, me and Matt had actually talked before, you know, here months ago, you know, golly, you know, maybe we should reach out and try to have Tommy Scarless on. And, and uh, you know, a- after his brain tumor and, you know, he was in remission, I think, for a while, I wasn't sure how his speech was. I wasn't sure, you know, how he would be on the phone. But, I mean, like, that dude, like, had so many near-death experiences. It was insane. Like, I think he fell, like, 25 foot from a the tree, tree stand, stand once. Yeah, and, broke his back.
1: Does, yeah, I mean. And I think that's kind of where it all started, kind of really yeah when, like in that when he healing that, it kind of right well i don't know if that caused it but then if they were like when they were doing x-rays or whatever okay. but it just okay. seemed like that was like the beginning of you know just the step of everything like that falling okay. out there because yeah he did fall out of that in a tree stand setting it up or something like that and uh ever since then he was pretty big advocate of always wearing your safety harnesses absolutely. and everything so absolutely Yeah, it just, yeah, it's one that just kind of tugs at the heartstrings of everybody. I mean, too many good people leave this earth way too soon, and he is definitely one of them.
0: Right. Well, Matt, uh, on a lighter note,
1: we did get out fishing this last weekend. We did, and got to experience a little different scenery.
0: Yep, absolutely. We will talk about that later in the show, but uh, for a guest today, we've got a guy named Garth Haukus, and... uh, Actually, as me and Matt were coming back from uh, uh, where we were fishing this last weekend, Garth messaged us and uh, was kind of talking to us about some electronic stuff about uh, or uh, that that he had seen as he was the co angler in uh, some NWT tournament, uh, the NWT tournaments, uh, you know, earlier this year. And uh, I thought, golly, we got to have this guy on. So we did. So uh, without further ado, we're going to get over to Garth. And we're we're here today with Garth Haukus. Garth, how you doing?
2: Not too bad. Well, thanks
0: for joining us. Um, Thanks for having me. You bet. Um, Garth, you know, obviously you've listened to the show, and uh, you kind of know how this goes, but uh, we're going to ask you a couple random questions here. And uh, um, What's the last concert you went to? Uh,
2: Boy, that's been a while, but I would say it was Avenged Sevenfold. Oh,
1: there you go. Rock and roll
2: yep good
1: show where was that one at that you got to see him
2: uh last time was at the fargo dome i think
1: fargo dome
2: i've seen them several times they're they put on a great show
1: i've heard that before
0: i i got a feeling that'd be pretty wild (laughs) now now obviously you're a rock guy but uh if you had to spend the day with one other garth would it be garth brooks or garth from wayne's world Definitely from Wayne's World. Definitely from Wayne's World. Not a a Garth Brooks guy?
2: Yeah, I always smile when somebody makes the Wayne's World joke instead of the Garth Brooks joke. (laughs) Okay. I kind
0: of figured when you said Avenged Sevenfold, I'm like, this dude ain't a Garth Brooks fan.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I listen to a little bit of everything. I do some country. Okay. All right.
0: Well, uh, you know, Garth, you you messaged us here a couple days ago, and... uh, told us you know that that you've been listening to the show and kind of had some insight on a past topic that uh that we had talked about with some electronics and whatnot and uh i said to matt right when you messaged us i was like man you know this is a guy that we should have on the show uh you know to to talk to us because you are actually doing the co-angler side of the nwt and you know i think uh with me and matt's show one of the things that we do a lot is is we focus on the pros and uh you know, we've had John Hoyer on and, and we've had a, a couple of the other guys that fish the pro side, but uh, never one of the co-anglers. So I, I really think that that's, I'm, I'm interested in hearing what you got to say. You fished all three tournaments so far this year and you're sitting in 11th in AOI. Uh, tell the listeners that may not know exactly what the co-angler is. Uh, what is a co-angler?
2: Well, The NWT is just a, you know, it's a pro-am or co-angler event, however you want to call it. And you basically, you sign up and if you get in, they pair you up and they random draw to assign pros and co's. Um, You don't get a lot of input on what you do or anything like that. I mean, you just, you're there to catch fish for that pro. You know, it's his program, what he wants to do, where he wants to go. And you just do what you're told and hopefully catch some fish. Heck yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, are you even bringing your own rods, or or do they provide you with the rods? I mean, I suppose, uh, you know, if you're going to pitch jigs or something like that, you know, you probably want the rod that, that you prefer, but if you're trolling, that pro's probably got the rods, correct?
2: Well, I think the the rules say that we're allowed to bring up to two rods and no tackle with us on the co-angler side. Oh, wow, oh, wow that's um, interesting. So I always bring a couple with, and... You know, they do our assignments for our pro uh, pairings after the rules meeting, the Wednesday before, and so you get your call for the next day, and usually you call and figure out when you're going to meet up and where, and that's just one of the things that comes up. Is should I bring a rod? You know, um, so far I haven't brought any of my own rods. I bring them with, but I haven't actually brought them in the boat ever.
1: Okay, that's kind of interesting because, like, from the bass side of it, you know. Th- you call them, and they're like, Okay, just try to only bring five or six rods. <laughs> you know how the bass guys are, they we have so many different rods, and you know, you try to fit all your tackle into the, like all these little boxes, but that, that, that's got to take some of the pressure off of like having to, like, well, what do I need to bring in the boat? What don't I need in the boat? and stuff like that,
2: yeah, for sure. I mean, I bring your life jacket because you know, generally the pros will have them, but just in case you know, if they're. You know, they have smalls and you're large or something. You know, right. so I bring my own life jacket and then just some food and something to drink and a rain gear. And Hop that, in the boat usually.
0: And now these are all two day tournaments, correct? Uh, you yeah. know, you and you have a different guy the first day compared to the second day.
2: Yep, you just each carry your weight from the first day to the second day and set up with a new team and new program and see what happens.
0: So, what made you decide, like you know? Uh, obviously, you know, even for me and Matt, I think we've both thought, you know, especially going into this year when uh, they they were looking at uh, having one over in Chamberlain. It's like, man, you know, that's less than a three-hour drive for us. Would have been really cool to do it. But what made you decide to do it? And, and when you did decide to do it, were you expecting to do all the tournaments or just one?
2: Well, you know, honestly, I got divorced. Um, that actually... You know, now I have the time, you know, I have my kids for a week and then they're with their mom for a week. So it freed up time for me. And, you know, so I didn't have any reason not to. So I jumped in. As um, so far as sign up for all of them, Chamberlain. Yeah. I seen that. And that was, you know, I was excited. You know, that's close to home for me too. And that's right. something I might actually get out and fish other times too. But I didn't know anybody when I jumped in here, none of the pros I've, you know, I've fished league with a couple of guys who have done this in the past, but I don't really know those guys and had not talked to them about it or anything. But the way that they take co-anglers into the tournament is if you sign up with a pro and you put each other's names down, you're both guaranteed to get in. But if you don't know anybody and you want to get in, they take people as they need them and they start drawing off the pool of people that signed up for the entire season. So, and then they go by the order that you sign up. Okay. So if they work through with people who sign up for all three and then need individuals, you might get in, but I didn't figure my chances of getting into the couple that I wanted to would be very great. So I went all in and signed up for all three and got into all three. That's very awesome.
0: Fun. That's awesome. So let's start off uh, tournament number one, uh, July 23 and 24 uh, up on Green Bay. Uh, who'd you draw day one?
2: Day one, I drew Scott Getchy. Scott um, Getchy. Had a great day in the boat. Didn't, uh, didn't boat a lot of fish, I and mean, we ended up with two for, was it 10 or 13 pounds or something? You know, So it wasn't great. We were down there quite a ways. Had a great day, learned some stuff. You know, Got along great with Scott, and I've been kind of fishing with him since then. Really? You cool. know, I went to the rest of the Michigan, and Scott, we are really fishing with him and, the, and uh, David Cove, his travel partner
0: okay what's it what was it like uh getting to the ramp that first morning you know obviously you've got you, you've you got no clue what to expect and i mean the nerves have got to be going you know i i don't know for me personally i'd be terrified you know to get in the way of this guy and you know i mean this is their job it's just your hobby you know what what was that like getting there to the ramp that morning you
2: know i'm i was pretty nervous and usually i don't get too nervous um yeah, you know, I I spent a year in Iraq. I got lost in downtown Baghdad. So not too much of this well, kind of yeah, stuff me. <laughs> I was gonna say nothing. that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah,
2: you know, but yeah, I was actually pretty nervous because it's a, it's a big deal, big event. I didn't know what to expect. Um, I got there the day before, and there's a couple of guys staying at the same hotel as me that were fishing this, um, both on the pro and co side, and I got to talking to them, so I kind of had an idea. And then after I got my pairings. With COVID now, they're kind of trying to keep us away from the ramp as much as possible and all that kind of stuff. So I got my pro's number and made contact with him that Wednesday night, and he was on my way to the – so I just stopped at their hotel and hopped in the truck with him there. That way when we got there, he hopped in the boat, and I hopped in the driver's seat to launch the boat and park, and we were off. Nice. So it was actually, I mean, really easy, and then – every, not just Scott, but every pro I've had has been top-notch, nice guys. You know, that's one of the things I was really dreading is, like, I'm going to get a guy who, you know, like, just doesn't like co-anglers or he doesn't yeah. want, you know, that doesn't want to let me do anything. Because, you know, some of these co-anglers, majority of us are pretty good, just like most of the pros are pretty good. But you hear stories, you know, There's so there's certain pros and stuff, that they don't want you to do almost anything. You know, like, that's what I was kind of afraid of is I'm just going to end up sitting in the boat He's not going to want me to do anything, you know, especially on a trolling bite where it's not rod in hand.
0: Right, yeah. Now, now, when you guys hooked your first fish, did you get to reel it in, or were you the net man?
2: I was the net man most of the time.
0: Okay, oh. so so there's a lot of pressure on you.
2: Yep.
0: Oh, man. <laughs>
2: it, and I kind of made it pretty clear, like, before we got there. I asked a lot of questions, you know. I fished quite a bit, but you know this is his job i mean he's got a lot more on the line there yeah. than i do so i made sure to ask him and you know how do you want everything done this that i mean what do you want me to do and how do you want it done
1: well, like you said you guys are working as a team so i mean it is good to ask those questions and you know instead of wait till it's oh here comes the fish to the boat oh now what do you want me to do so right
0: yeah. now how did you end up on day one where, where were you sitting in the field
2: Oh, we were down there quite a ways. And okay. It was, you know, the, just the two fish. We picked up one pulling spinners. We went south into the mud and pulled spinners for a while in the morning and had one fish in the boat and decided to run across the bay to the east side and try a spot. And we got over there and the water had dropped like 12 degrees or something from the day before pre-fishing, he said. Wow. So, we got we got there, set up, put our lines out, and just started our trolling pass. And he turns around, and he looks at the graph, and he just kind of hangs his head, like, "Oh man," you Ask me, "What's up?" You know. And he's like, "Well, explain the water temp." You know. We sat there not 30 seconds, probably. He's like, "No, we're not going to do it." He crank him in, ran back across the other side, tried a couple other spots where we would marked some fish, and switched to cranks and picked up, you know, one more. I got a that one. I caught the second one. It was like a 26 inch. Balling, Ooh,
0: so nothing wrong with that? Twenty
2: two and a twenty six inch fish for the day.
0: Oh, that's all right. If you're only gonna get two, at least they were the right fish. That's right. So yeah. how how was your day two
2: then? It was awesome. I drew uh Daniel Woodkey. He's a local guy out there kinda and I mean on Green Bay there, he's just about as good as it gets. I mean, he won the N W T there in sixteen, he's won Ames. You know, he guides part time. Oh, wow. So I mean he knows what he's doing Um,
0: that was a good draw
2: yeah Uh, we put some miles on we went about 70 miles we ran way up north past the islands um up by kind of in the beta knock areas and stuff where we're still allowed to but up that direction so it was quite a run but i mean perfect weather for it It was calm you know we cruised it nice and slow at like 42 miles an hour because we had to maintain enough fuel to get from there back to marinette and get fuel on the way back. Wow yeah
0: I don't think uh, any of us have ever been in a situation where you actually got to legitimately worry about conserving fuel that's crazy.
2: That's been like every tournament almost it seems like this year.
0: Really so so how'd you end up finishing?
2: We caught three fish that day for what was it 20 something pounds and that put me in a at 33rd place i was like 1.88 pounds out of the money because they paid the 30th oh dang (laughs)
0: but (laughs) we had
2: three fish and they were nice fish i mean if you get over 20 pounds out of three fish that's pretty nice yeah Yeah, those are the right ones but we only had six bites all day up there you know we the three we caught we caught them fairly quick and then we had one just off i mean it came off before we even grabbed the rod out of the holder it was just there for a minute and gone and then we had another one where Dan had the board about halfway back to the boat, and he just spit it. And then we caught a 10, 12-pound cheetah. There were only six bites we had up there.
0: Huh. Well, then here about two or three weeks later, uh, in in August 13 and 14, you're up at Sault Ste. Marie. Uh, who'd you draw day number one up there?
2: Uh, Buck Lassman. He's out of, out of Wisconsin. OK. Good guy. Um, we had a—he was on a bite that was pretty close, which was rare because a lot of the guys in uh, in the Sioux were running a hundred plus miles. I mean, all the way across the big lake down to Roger City and getting fuel. I mean, some of the guys are getting fuel twice, putting on 120 miles one direction. It was pretty crazy, but me and Buck, we only ran—I don't know—it felt like maybe five miles is all, and we just couldn't put them in the boat. We had a lot of bites that. I don't know it's it was mind-blowing because I mean one buried the board got the board back out of the water got it up got the board off the line and just slowly cranking it in and it's just gone like, I don't understand how a fish can pull that hard to bury a board fight that hard and then just disappear without breaking anything off
0: no kidding yeah, is. Is.
2: yeah.
0: Uh, so how, how were you at the end of day day one then
2: Oh, not good. I landed one fish that day, and that was the only one we weighed. Okay. So. And
0: then going into day two, who'd you draw?
2: Ryan Buddy. He's uh, from Ohio. He's a Lake Erie guy, but uh, runs a Starcraft pro boat or whatever for them, and good fisherman. I mean, guides out there. Nice guy. We had a great time. We made about a 45-mile run down to the detour area along with Quite a few other people in that area, you know, just kind of fishing the spoils, you know, finding them that were about the depth that we liked and stuff and just pulling spinners right over and around them and stuff like that. And we caught a few fish, but just wasn't enough and not enough bigger ones. And we lost a big one close to the boat right at the end of the day that would have, I mean, it probably wouldn't have been enough to get me in money after that day, but it would have made a big difference for Ryan.
0: Right. So then, now here just, heck what, a week and a half ago, you're up at Sakakawea in Garrison, North Dakota. How did that tournament go for you?
2: That was good. Um, So I went up there about a week ahead of time and pre-fished with Scott Getchy and David Cole again. Um, I knew a guy so I could get some creek chubs, so I got them on the way up there once I got in North Dakota. And, I mean, that was a big deal. There's... A lot of guys they're hard to find up there i mean you couldn't find them or if you know there's guys just struggling to try and find them because that's the ticket it seems like on scott Weir right now and, but i got 102 is what my guy was able to get me and we didn't figure that was enough to waste any pre-fishing so driving all over the lake pre-fishing checking out the whole place none of us had really been there so we're you know that whole team aspect and breaking down new water it was that was pretty cool to see
0: Right. We, yeah.
2: we just kind of split up our boats and went different directions and talking to each other all the time, letting you know what we found. And, you know, we were pretty quick to eliminate a lot of water. You know, the, anything on the south side of the lake, it seemed like, other than the very east end around Mallard Island, the rest of the south side of the lake, we just we didn't find bait fish and we didn't mark fish, so we didn't bother fishing it. Um, broke it down, just uh, we found a spot fairly close by where we were catching some fish and kind of got a pattern figured out and got out of there and just started looking for another bite so I mean if you want to go out and just catch fish to catch fish and have fun pre-fishing for a tournament like that's not the way to do it <laughs> but, <laughs> right yeah it's the only huh. time that you find fish and leave right.
1: well like you said a lot of times it's not necessarily about you know finding fish but eliminating water
2: yep huh you know, and we, we checked out Shell Island, you know, that's, everybody knows that that's where the biggest fish in the lake seemed to be. And, you know, but we were up there and we didn't see much, you know, there's a lot of boats there and looking around, we didn't see a lot of fish being caught and we didn't catch much for size up there. So we kind of decided before the tournament that we weren't going to fish that we were going to stick closer to the ramp and some of the spots that we had found and grind it out. So then come day one, i drew troy morris he's a kind of a local guy he's a regional rep for a ranger actually oh wow so we made the 55 mile run to shell and Fish creek chubs you know rigged them up sitting in the back of the boat with bait caster and a creek chub in each hand just kind of drifting around real slow in a little area where he liked and we uh caught some fish you know right away and not the right size he caught a nice one that we put in the boat and he caught some little ones and we watched a number of boats pretty close to us catch fish you know I mean, we were all pretty close and if one boat could have put all them fish in their boat you know you'd have had a good bag but right. i don't think i seen more than one or two go into the same boat doing that in that area that day
0: huh. yeah. who'd you get day two
2: uh brett king oh yeah uh, regional rep for craft actually so <laughs> Okay. We made a, about a 70-mile run, I think it was, and it was a little windier on day two. It was rough, but we you know, stopped at Indian Hills and got gas on the way up there right away and then got up and fished our area. Uh, we're fishing uh, jigging wraps, so we got set up and started fishing them and started banging out some fish right away, a little on the smaller side, and then we started picking up a few, and it, and it kind of slowed down. There's a spot there where there's a handful of boats, and we were off on this other little— hump by ourselves and that's where he would fished the day before and brett the first day had 20 something pounds so he was sitting real good right uh, yeah so we were i was at 10 pounds because we had got two the day before we ended up getting one later in a different spot but so yeah we're up there and we got a couple fish in the boat and, you know a couple we'd like to upgrade and uh it just kind of slowed down it died on us and it was pretty windy up there too so we're you know, we we're the first boat out day two so that meant we had to be back at three o'clock and it was a long it's going to be a long drive so we moved over to the other set of humps and started fishing some of them kind of around where more of the crowd was over that way he had fished that pre-fish and he knew there was fish there so we got over there and same thing with the jig and wrap and picked up a few more a few more and then we decided to put a creek chub down which was just a catfish magnet
0: <laughs> oh jeez!
2: oh man we were just smashing big catfish on that thing when
0: well, you were when you were reeling them the first one in did you think it was a walleye or did you know right away
2: no I, we knew right away you know we had seen one of the other boats by us we'd watched them boat i don't know how many catfish so we knew it was coming and that's he even made a comment when they were catching one of their catfish about that's why i quit fishing them yesterday and but he, he was marking a fish down there that we couldn't seem to get to bites. So that's what convinced him to just throw a creek chub down and yeah,
1: you know, that's what it didn't was. take
2: too long. And we ended up with a 23-inch uh, walleye or something. So oh, okay, right. it nice. paid off.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: How did you finish and, that tournament?
2: Well, uh, we still weren't done with that, you know. There, we, that spot, and we had fished, and it was slow there still, and we were still one fish short. And we kept in some little fish, and he's like, "Well, come noon." He's like, if we're not done here, he says, I got one more spot, you know, one more idea I want to check out. So it came noon, and we moved over not too far to another spot, and we pulled up there, and he just looked at me smiling. I looked at his graph. It was loaded with fish. He said, this is going to be good. So got set up, dropped down. It took me about two pumps, and I landed at it a, about seven-pound walleye. It was our biggest one of the day.
0: Nice. nice.
2: So, and then we upgraded one of our other fish there, too. So oh, we are by one o'clock we were a little before one we took off from there we were worried about making our three o'clock weigh in because it was windy up there in the van Hook arm so we bailed out of there and you know pushing it it big waves and we were pushing that boat hard but once we got south and turned east it it got nice so we had plenty of time we get back closer to like douglas bay area and he kind of slows down and we stop like looking at our fish again, like, oh man, you know, we could try and upgrade, you know, our smallest fish at this time is probably 18, 19 inches or something. And it's like, we could stop here and try and catch another fish somewhere. But like, we're looking at our fish and if we screw around trying to upgrade our fish, we're going to end up with two, three, four dead fish penalties, probably, you know, like, so are we really going to upgrade by more than two pounds so we made the decision to head in the rest of the way a little early just so we didn't take any penalties on the big fish penalty, or the dead fish thing, so. Right. right.
0: How did how did you finish there?
2: I ended up finishing in 37th, so. Okay. But Brett, Brett ended up in 10th place because we had 20-something pounds again that day.
1: Nice. Sweet.
2: So that was good. And then, like, Scott and Dave, our plan pre-fishing, you know, that's the thing, too, is, like, I've been pre-fishing, and when me and Brett were on our way in early, we're driving right by where I know Scott and Dave caught their fish the day before. I knew that's where they were going to be that day. It's so where we had caught fish pre-fishing, and I can't say anything, you know. Right. I'm like, I'm like, I bet we could upgrade a fish if we stopped right there, but I can't. You know, I'm not allowed to say that. I wouldn't be right to Scott and Dave, so I just kind of got to keep my mouth shut and watch it go past. Right.
0: Oh yeah. Now you're. Is there an actual rule that you're not allowed to say anything, or or that's just you being honest to your friends?
2: No, it's the rules. Like, we're not supposed to, we we can't tell the the angler on day two where we fished on day one or anything like that. We're not supposed to give any type of advice on where to go. Okay.
0: So, now you're three tournaments in, and on October 14 through 16, it's up on uh, Lake Erie. Are you planning on going?
2: Oh, I'm really hoping I can because uh, Scott and Dave, that's their home water. So I'd love nothing more than to go out there for a week and pre-fish with them and absolutely, and then have a chance at the championship too.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh,
2: work hasn't approved my vacation yet for that. I work at a power plant and we're going to be shut down on outage, which means we're going to be busy and we're a little short handed right now. So not 100% sure I'm going to be able to go, but I'm really hoping I can.
0: So what you're saying is probably on October 1st, you're putting in your two
1: weeks? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite ready to go pro yet, so I better keep my job. Okay, okay. You don't want to just go into quarantine for a couple weeks? Be like, oh yeah. COVID huh,
2: exposure. Huh,
1: for some reason, I got to go out to Ohio for... <laughs> yeah.
0: Quarantine in Ohio.
2: Yeah, I wish. I hope so.
0: No, guard uh-huh. What what's the what's the cost to you? Uh, you know, obviously for you, you're going up there and you're uh, uh, you're doing some pre-fishing. You know, you've got lodging and, and uh, you know meals and everything. But what is your actual cost to get into the tournament as a co-angler?
2: The entry fee is like three hundred fifty bucks a tournament, and then you had to pay a membership fee at the beginning of the year. And I don't remember what that was. If it was fifty bucks or something, it wasn't crazy. So okay. And then, yeah, just gas, hotels, food, and, uh, you know, they recommend that you give your pros some gas money and stuff. You know, like I said, one day we drove 55 miles, one day we drove 70 miles and stuff, so it, you know, I always offer cash to the pros. Some guys take it, some guys won't. Some guys, depends on how they do, you know, like, they do really good and they win a bunch of money, they might not want it, they might not care about your gas money. Right. You know, or if they do really bad... They might feel bad that they didn't get you any fish, especially if you were sitting in a good place going into the day, and they might not want to take your money too. But,
0: right. That's interesting. You
2: know, I do my part. you know. They, they work hard. They spend a lot of money trying to get me fish as well as themselves. So For sure. I always offer up some gas money, and how much kind of just depends on what we do, how far we drive and stuff.
0: Right. Do you have any bad experiences? I mean, did you miss a fish or, or – you know, anytime that something happened out in the boat where it was like, "Oh my gosh," you just wanted to get out of the out of the boat because you know you had screwed something up. Have you had any of those so far this year?
2: Ah, uh, not real bad. I mean, I was kind of beating myself up on Friday for a little bit when I was fishing with Brad in that last tournament because I had lost the big fish. You know, jigging wraps are kind of notorious for fish coming on pin somehow. Yeah, a lot of guys replace that center treble. Um.
1: See, I had lost
2: a big fish earlier in the day, I was kind of beating myself up. But then I wasn't so worried about it after I caught that seven pounder.
1: Yeah, that kind of helps it go away a little.
2: Yeah, especially when it filled out a good bag of fish for us then, and you know, so we were at that time we knew we had a good limit, and then we were able to upgrade one more. So it was it was good. Nice. Right before that, he was ready to boat a fourteen inch you know minimum. <laughs> we caught one that was short, and he even made a comment about you know it's lucky he's not fourteen; he'd be going in the box at that point because we were running out of time. So it was, yeah. You know it's pretty jacked up when i finally got a nice fish like that in the boat and we had a full bag right
1: now you've got to experience riding in a few different brands of boats out there has there been one that is just like man this thing like really rides smooth if i was ever gonna go for it and get one this would be the one i want
2: um you know hard to say you know, conditions are so different everywhere and you know i've been in a bunch of different rangers and Scott and Dave both run 622s with 400 Verados, and that's a pretty sweet ride. But in uh, in the Sioux, I was in Buck's boat, and he had uh, one of the new ZV20 Nitros, and that was actually a really nice ride, too. And that one, you know, someday would be a little closer towards my price range compared to that 622.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, I could say that, that Yardcraft, we, we drove hard through some big waves with that Yardcraft, and I don't think I got a splash of water on me you know on 70 miles through some pretty decent sized waves
0: well, there's a lot of it people was, that really like those yard crafts yeah yeah, well,
2: yeah i mean they caught the dry boat for a reason it was dry right. quite surprising huh
0: now uh what's your most memorable moment of, of all your tournaments that you fished so far
2: um i don't know it's hard to narrow it down I and mean, everyone's just got different stuff it's uh pre-fishing for the sioux it when we're sitting there talking about what our plan is going to be one day before the tournament and it's just hot 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 and dave kind of looks at us and he's like that's enough he strips down to his boxers and dives in over the side (laughs) of the boat while we're fishing
0: (laughs) oh that's awesome that is don't be giving (laughs) scott
1: any ideas over here (laughs) yeah
0: it getting mad excited. Been a
2: lot. Everybody's been so great, and I've learned a ton. I mean, the first oh, two sure. tournaments were pretty much trolling, you know, pulling spinners for the most part. And I kind of like going into this. I was like, I hope I get on a jig bite or something like that, because I think there's just so much more I can learn on a jig bite. As opposed to just pulling spinners, because, you know, I pull spinners all the time at home here. Right. Mm-hmm. Come summer on Big Stone, that's pretty much what you got to do, it seems like. Yeah. Right. But even now, I've learned a lot. I mean, oh, yeah, everybody learned does different, things a little, little different.
1: Ways. Yep.
0: But, I mean, technically, for $350, and, and obviously you've got your room and board and meals and whatnot, but you're getting two days of guided fishing, you know, by the best guys in the whole entire world. And, I mean, you know, you got your chance to make money back, and I mean, just the, the thrill of competition, like, I mean, that that's really, really a neat experience, and, and I mean, I, I'd, I'd say both me and Matt have it on our bucket list.
2: Well, that's kind of the way I looked at it, like, you know, can't hire a guide for that much, and granted, it's not a guide, and, you know, depending on what you're doing, sometimes the guys will, you know, you ask questions, why are we fishing here, and this and that, and why are we doing this? and sometimes they'll explain it you know and sometimes depending on what's going on they might be pretty tuned into their graph trying to figure out something and they might not want to talk too right so it right. all depends you know i met uh cory springle a couple of winters ago ice fishing and we were talking it was like a veterans event up on devil's lake he'd come by the hotel and talk to all of us vets and you know it was awfully cool of him to do and we talked a lot about fishing and why he does things and he kind of made the same comment that you know that's his job so come tournament day he's a little bit more serious and you know it's not necessarily a guy the training session you know like yep. if he can give you tell you something that might help you catch another fish that'll help him you know yeah he's gonna do it but he's not gonna hold your hand and try to show you how to do everything either right right so you know and i ran into Corey in north dakota walking by I said hi and he remembered me we had a good conversation nice guy
1: That's awesome. That is Um, awesome.
2: That's pretty much the theme I've gotten out of this. Is almost everybody I've met and talked with these things has been great. Yeah, I'm really disappointed with that. It's COVID, you know, because that took away the rules meeting and
1: everybody
2: hanging out at weigh-ins and the chance to get to know and talk with even more people has really been cut back because of that. Oh. So I think it'd be even cooler if it wasn't for COVID right now.
1: Oh yeah, Scott and I have even talked about that with our local little tournaments. You know, we do it because of the camaraderie and just you know hanging out at the ramp with the guys at the weigh-in and yeah, all this stuff. It just it it just feels kind of awkward and weird.
2: Yeah, that's why I didn't fish our local league this spring. You know, they did it with drive-through weigh-ins and stuff. And I mean, part of the reason just with kids in school, distance learning stuff, it didn't work out real right. great. And then that with the uh, not getting to hang out and talk and rib each other and stuff like that. I just skipped it this year.
0: Right. You planning on doing it again next year?
2: You know, I, I don't know. I, I do know some people now and stuff. So I hope if, if I decided I just wanted to jump into one or two tournaments in the future, I could probably talk to somebody who them or somebody they know could probably put me down and I might be able to get in just the ones I want now. Right, as yeah. opposed to having to sign up for all three, you know, it's it's a lot of vacation time too.
1: Yeah, oh, uh, Green Bay
2: wasn't bad. Like I worked four tens, I swapped my work week, so I didn't have to use vacation for Friday. You know, so I just Wednesday, Thursday, twenty hours of vacation for Green Bay. But then Michigan and uh, North Dakota, I went early and pre-fished, so I burned the whole week for both of them.
0: Yeah, you if, do. yeah. You gotta have a job. Little bit. Yeah, you gotta have a job that's willing to work with you, and and yeah, you gotta obviously have the time. So
2: I don't. Know, I'm waiting to see next year's schedule. That'll probably play into it too, as to if I decide to do the entire thing or not.
1: Oh, definitely.
2: Um, I definitely want to do the entire thing again sometime when there's not COVID and get to hang out.
1: Right. Do
0: you got <clears throat> Do you have aspirations of moving up to the pro side, or uh, I mean, is it? Is it, you know, you're good enough doing the co-angler deal?
2: You know, I guess I'm not trying to or anything. It's, I mean, it's big money. That, right. uh, I think the entry fee on the pro side is like 1500 bucks a tournament.
0: Yep. Yeah. And so, the boat
1: and <laughs> everything else. <laughs> you got to have everything yeah. else too.
2: You know, but it's the boats. Yeah, it's that and gas. i got a, I got a good enough boat to do it. i got a 195 Tourney Pro with a 200 Suzuki on it. So, I, I mean, I'm capable there with what i have now you know isaac lakich in green bay he's just been killing it and he probably had one of the cheapest boats in the tournament i would bet you know i think it was a single console Crestliner or something like that cool he was running out there and he came in second i think and that guy's just been on a roll in that boat so i mean that doesn't necessarily mean much right but there is still a lot of expense to jumping into the pro side
0: oh absolutely
2: absolutely and you have to get out there and pre-fish. You can't just show up the day of the tournament on the pro side. Exactly right. Right.
0: right. Well, Garth, uh, you know, I think uh, our listeners probably got, you know, everything that they probably were wondering about how the co-angler deal uh, all kind of works. I, unless you've got something else you really want to throw in there, uh, you know, we appreciate you taking time and, and chatting with us.
2: No, it's my pleasure. It's Like I said, it's, it's been a blast. I recommend anybody who can do it do it i mean if, even if you can only sign up for one you might get in i you know i don't know how many guys they go through to get there i just wanted to make sure i get inside so at all three but right i well, should go for it
0: yeah well i hope you can uh, i hope you can get the time off work and go up there and fish at erie uh coming up here in october uh it'd be, it'd be fun uh, following along and uh yeah we we hope you do great
2: yeah I mean, even on the co-angler side you know, Erie's the championship. So first place is a boat that last year, you know, cash value for the winner ended up being 26000 almost 27000 Nice. So but, man,
0: nothing wrong yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah, nice
1: payday.
2: It's hard not to try for that. That's right. for
1: sure.
0: Right. And fishing in 11th, I mean, I suppose, or I mean, you're, you're currently in 11th. How many guys are doing all the tournaments on the co-angler side? Do you know?
2: Uh, I looked through the Angler of the Year list the other day. And just kind of estimating, there's probably about 50 guys that have done all three.
0: Okay. The total yeah.
2: list was 201 guys. Okay. But, you know, they're not necessarily all in order because some guys had good tournaments with just two, so they're up there a little bit. So it's hard to say exactly without counting them out. But.
1: Right. Correct, yeah. Okay. Well, we just want to – one thing here, too, just non-fishing related. You talked about your work in the service. We just want to thank you for your – for serving our country
2: absolutely no problem i appreciate the support
1: you uh you
0: got time to tell that story about getting lost in baghdad or uh is that <laughs> something that you don't really uh care to care to share i i, I understand if you don't
2: no 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 I, you know some of the stuff like that i enjoy talking about it it's
0: when you said it i'm like god dang it i want to know this <laughs> i've been sitting here debating like do i ask or don't i ask
2: <laughs> yeah no I mean, there's nothing bad about it so it's I mean, he's a little hairy at the second at the time, or whatever, you know. Me and uh, my battle buddy, a guy from my home unit, that got, we both got transferred to a unit out of Montana to deploy. We were both Army Reserves out of Fargo. Okay. So we got transferred to Montana and we deployed. And shortly after getting to Iraq, when we first got there, we drove all over on base, you know, Camp Victory, which is like core headquarters for the whole country and buy out the airport right next to us and stuff like that. And just regular Ford Explorers. So we were going from there down to the green zone, which is like downtown Baghdad. It's a huge zone down there and stuff, but it's basically controlled and relatively safe considered, you know, on the green zone. So we were going from our base down to the green zone in a fort, regular old Ford Explorer, just two of us. And we got a little bit lost down by the green zone and, you know, it's like kind of scary, I guess. I don't know. Not knowing where you're at and not knowing what's going on exactly around you, but you start turning on the roads that don't look right and get pretty <laughs> narrow and not a lot of options for places to go, you know, escape routes and stuff. So, you know, it gets you tense. Yeah. No, We found our so. way back around and recognized where we were and got back on base again. So it all turned out.
0: Yeah, that, I, I'd say there probably ain't a whole lot of NWT stuff that's going to get you too rattled. <laughs> no, that's awesome, man. So, well, like I said, we really appreciate you taking the time to chat. And uh, golly, like I said, I, I hope uh, in October you can get up there to Erie, and I hope you do well. So.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys.
0: All right. Thank you. All right, well, talk to you later, Garth. All right, bye. And that was Garth halkus golly i don't know i i I have trouble with that last name i I keep wanting to say harkos or halkus it is it's halkus but yeah no that was garth and uh that was that was really cool like i said i think both me and matt have have kicked around you know potentially maybe someday fishing on the co-angler side of an nwt tournament and uh Hmm. you know matt has a little bit of experience uh in that in that field uh doing a Bassmaster open but uh yeah god dang it i i don't know
1: this just interesting to find we've you know we've talked to pros and gotten their side of it but right that's really the first co that we've heard and it is a different different world when you're talking about a co-angler in a walleye tournament like that
0: right you know he talked about going up there and pre-fishing you know it, it's fun to pre-fish you know i mean if you're if you're you know if you're into trying to you know watch these guys dissect water and do everything else but at the end of the day you turn around and
1: you can't say anything. Yeah, the your for so. nothing. But
0: no, that that that's cool. So, well, like we mentioned earlier, me and Matt actually did get out and do some fishing this uh, weekend, and uh, we ran out to the mighty Moe, the Missouri, Missouri River, out in South Dakota on Saturday morning. Uh, I think my first alarm uh, went off at three fifteen a.m.
1: Yeah, it was it was early.
0: Yeah, it was. Was but god dang it was that day long, westbound
1: bounding down.
0: That's right. But uh, no, we took off and I think we pulled into Kennebec, South Dakota, which is about uh, I don't know, about 20, 30, 20,
1: it's not that far from mid or from Chamberlain.
0: 20 miles at the most, yeah, yeah. We're gonna call it 20. Sounds good, unless you got another number. I'm 19. using 20, 19. Okay, apparently it's 19 miles from <laughs> uh, straight west of Chamberlain uh, on I 90. Uh, not, not 18, not 20, 19, not even a (laughs) one. So, yeah, but no, we got out there. Uh, we met up with, uh, little Craggy Oiler, uh, Chris and Shanta Peters, uh, Brian Cavanaugh, Dan Hogue, uh, and Lyle and Joanna Mitchell was their last name. And, uh, they had a little cabin there in Kennebec and, uh, we had some breakfast, drank some coffee, uh, Matt didn't drink any coffee because I don't know. There's something wrong with him. He's not pro. He's crosswired. You're crosswired, I Matt. I am like, what do you do for caffeine in the morning? Nothing
1: pre-workout <laughs> pre-workout. Yeah.
0: Do you have pre-workout on the way out to Chamberlain?
1: No, I don't do it. Only if I'm only if I'm working out. So I was just running on just pure adrenaline. Getting to see those fine folks from the you west watched, side of the state.
0: You woke up like at 2.30 and you watched an episode of Cops before you hopped That's in the truck. That's why I was to, sweating when yeah. I. When
1: you got in the truck. I was yeah, sweating.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, good episode of Cops. and. Nothing, so,
1: nothing gets your blood flowing like Saturday that. Saturday
0: and Sunday morning, You you nothing for caffeine, nothing to get you going. On set. If, if, if you ain't going lifting.
1: Right. If I ain't going to work out, then it's no, just maybe some OJ or some water. Hmm. <laughs> Let's go.
0: Well, I mean, teach their own. Teach their right.
1: own, like you said, crosswired.
0: Yeah, that's why you're skinny and I'm fat. So <laughs> I wouldn't
1: call myself skinny, but well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I wouldn't call you fat.
0: I'm I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm working on it. All that time up at the NICU, eating eating uh, down at the cafeteria every day because like everyone's making fun of me like oh you actually like that nikki food like yeah you bet your ass i like that <laughs> nikki food like i'm going to town every night but uh no, like i said we got out there we did some fishing um uh, fished on the we fished on the top side which would be lake, lake sharp, sharp yep. uh up in the fort thompson
1: area yep up the big bend dam
0: and uh I hopped in the boat with, uh, Lyle and Joanna Mitchell. Uh, they are from out in the, uh, out in the black Hills. And I'm going to tell you right now that dude can fish. Yeah. Like he can freaking flat out catch him. Like he's an under the radar, really good angler. And, uh, we got in the boat and, uh, I sat in the back and we pulled bottom bouncers for a little while and, uh, about 50 yards into our bottom bouncing, uh, Lyle picked up a nice high upper teen, uh, walleye and, uh then she shut off
1: yeah the fishing was tough
0: yeah it was and and the wind was coming up uh we switched to cranks a little bit later in the day and uh um ended up picking up a few more walleyes uh smallmouth bass a couple little white bass but uh now we ended the day with three keepers uh had a couple under walleyes and whatnot but uh no it, it was still just nice to be out there they they took me in no problem uh for for people who i had never met before you know i mean they they, they were fun to be in the boat with so yeah for as far as my experience it was good
1: yeah same here you know i got to jump in with chris and shanta and you know it's going to be a great time oh, yeah. with those oh, yeah. two i mean we was the fishing great like i said no but you know we were marking them chris was working his butt off to try to get on them and they just it just seemed really tight-lipped oh yeah we pulled into a spot where we found a bunch and he caught a little walleye so we thought all right you know maybe this is the spot fished it for a while and nothing else and we came over by you guys and fished for a while and we decided to go back over there and yeah we decided to try some jigs and pretty soon (laughs) shanta was doing something up in the front of the boat and kind of let out a little yell and we turned around and looked, and her rod was just about going over the side and chris quick quick grabbed it and the battle was on, and he had something big on, and it ended up being a pretty nice catfish. So that kind of surprised us a little bit. And a little bit later, I, I, was, I, was, say, I was, there I was, was, I was
0: another catfish I, caught.
1: I was wondering, like, man, I wonder, like, trying to figure out what these fish were underneath us. I was like, well, maybe, maybe if I get lucky, they might be a school of smallmouth or something like that. So I actually tied on a Ned rig and just kind of flipped it out there a little bit and just drug it along the bottom. Then pretty soon, all of a sudden, boom, I had something on, and I was like, all right. But then. As soon as I hooked it and it started fighting, it was fighting just like the fish that Chris had caught. And it's like, ah, I figured it was probably another big catfish. But hey, something tugging on the end of my line, I'll take it. It was fun.
0: Did you say something like a beat sketch in a walleye?
1: Well, it was fighting. <laughs>
0: it was fighting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, We got a walleye episode here, and now we're taking shots at the walleye at the end. That was a joke. But you guys can uh, laugh. It's a joke.
1: But I mean, the, the cool thing was, I will say that. Chris netted my fish and Shantha netted Chris's fish. She's a way better net person. Than I West. figured. I mean, I figured. She, she, you know, Chris, I don't know. It was a different technique. He was like swinging the net at it, like trying to hit it, you know, and stuff really? like that. And I was like, man, it almost feels like he's trying to knock it off my line so I don't catch a bigger catfish than his. But I don't think that was his intention. But You I don't?
0: Mean, I think it was. <laughs> I think it was. He's, he's, he's a competitor. <laughs> but don't no. like anyone catching bigger cats than him. <laughs>
1: oh yeah it all of a sudden it turned into a catfishing contest yeah all right no it was a great time in the boat with those two like i said it was just you know seeing all those guys it was it was a nice nice saturday to run out there made it worth it
0: absolutely absolutely well Matt, i don't know if you uh you got anything else
1: oh yeah i wanted to I kind of had a question that I wanted to ask That's you. Right. You're always That's you're right. always asking me off. Just kind of like you be boom. careful
0: because I can come up with questions boom. like freaking. Well, right I know. Now.
1: So you're always coming up with them. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, all over fo- Facebook now, social media, um, seeing a lot of like youth deer pictures. Okay. Youth, youth duck hunting pictures and stuff like that. All these youth seasons going on, and it's always pretty cool. And you know, you you see the kids out there that maybe shot a doe or a little spike buck, and they got that huge smile on their face. But you also see the pictures of, like, a kid that it looks like they can hardly even, like, walk, and they're sitting next to, like, a 170-inch deer, and, you know, it's like, okay. And it got me thinking a little bit with all these youth seasons going on. Now, there's a lot of states that have, like, a close... Let's we'll use Minnesota as an example. They got a close walleye season and stuff like that. Do you think that there should be a youth, like, walleye opener up in the state of minnesota like a week before the actual opener so you know we're always talking about how we want to get the youth involved in fishing and get them into the outdoors and you know maybe having a youth opener would get a little bit more of a focus on you know the dads or the uncles or just somebody like a relative or a family friend could take these kids out and concentrate you know more on getting them fish and catching fish when you know it is maybe like the bite is a little bit better that time of year to get these kids into the sport like man that was fun you know and then the following week or do you think that you're just going to have a bunch of a bunch of kids out there in car seats with a dad holding a 30-inch wall i went next to him being like yeah you know we caught this and it's just like you know damn well that kid didn't, right (laughs) you know it just got me it just it's like man that'd be kind of interesting
0: i really really like that idea and uh At first, I was like, "Eh, I don't know if that would work or not, but I I really think it would. Uh, You know, one thing uh, from being a dad myself um, that I've realized is when I go out and I fish with my kids, and and they're getting better now, but, uh, you know, here a few years ago, like when we would go down to, say, the Rock River here in town and uh, we would go fishing, I would also bring my pole, and, and I quickly realized that all I wanted to do was be fishing myself you know, and I'd, I just wanted Grady to be there, you know, casting out his line and Aubrey to be there casting out her line. And, and you spend a lot more time getting out snags, you know, undoing wind knots and everything else. And so there was a while there where I just finally was like, you know what, I'm not even taking my uh, rod out of my truck. I'm just going to strictly sit down there, watch them fish, you know, when they need help, I can help, whatever. But, uh, you know, I I think when I brought my own rod, I had something to prove to myself. So I kind of neglected helping them, you know, as much as what I should. And, uh, you know, if if you have a youth season like this where, you know, the dads and the moms aren't allowed to be, you know, on the the rods and reels, you know, it's strictly for the kids. I I really think that uh, some of these parents could devote, you know, the time and attention that it takes to you know, to these young kids, I I don't know what I would set the age at, you know, like you said, you can't have a kid in a car seat catching a walleye. So I don't know if you would do like five and above, uh, you know, but I'd hate, uh, I'd hate to discriminate against a kid, you know, that's, you know, four and seven eighths, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I mean, you know, his birthday is, you know, two weeks after the season, you know, and, and whatever, I don't know, I guess, you know, you could probably just open it up to all those kids and, you know, if you're going to be a dirtbag and take your kid in a car seat out there and and do it, well, hats off to you, you're a moron. But, uh, you know, we we could do that. But, you know, at at what age age is a kid a good enough – well, I guess – at what age does a kid have to buy their own fishing license? 16? Sixteen? Okay. So I, I I'm for that. I'm for that. Uh, you know, because I think, you know, at fourteen, fifteen, you know, yeah, you know, you're basically at that age, you know, where most of those kids could probably fish on their own. They don't really need a youth season and whatnot, but you gotta draw the line somewhere and uh I'm I'm all right with that.
1: It just, uh, it, it just was like. I, I like I, it. I like the you know, idea. You, I've just noticed that, you know, like with Iowa down here with their youth deer season starting to open up this right. last weekend. I mean, I've just been seeing a ton of pictures, and it's cool to see the kids' faces that, I mean, a kid, one picture, like I said, has a kid with a little spike buck, and he's got just as big a smile as oh, the girl that shot a 200-inch deer yeah, down here. So, yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it'd be kind of neat.
0: Look so that at was... you! See that buck right up there on the wall there? With oh the, yeah. I mean, that far one there was when I was ah, twelve years old maybe, and uh, me and my dad went out there, and that thing came out, and I aimed for the idol or the vitals, and I fricking blew his throat off. Boom! <laughs> like, he went <laughs> down. Like... But uh, I mean, that's <laughs> uh, it was it was with the slug, and and we were sitting along a fence line, and uh, you know, into an evening, and that thing came out, and Dad said, ah, he's too far away, and I'm like, no, no, no. No, no I no. got this. I got Leroy, this. Leroy, you just. Yeah, come on, Leroy. <laughs> and and I did, and I pulled the trigger, and boom, he went down, and then he, you know, I was like, oh, my God, it actually worked. Oh, <laughs> my God, oh, my God. And uh, so, yeah, we went out there, and, and I mean, that is what, a three-pointer, maybe? Uh, just one spike on one side and a, a split on the other, but I tell you what, the fact that I shot a buck. Oh, like, I mean, oh, there yeah. was no one cooler in the county.
1: Dang right. So,
0: no, well, I guess. Uh,
1: feel good stories.
0: Feel good stories. Matt, good. Uh, I, I am struggling. I know like two hours ago I was like, oh, yeah, that's going to be my feel good story. And I am struggling to remember what my feel good story was. So I'm going to let you tell your feel good story first. Now, your feel good story, you, you kind of let me in. Yours is going to be a good feel good story. Like, one of the best ones ever. Can I can I bow out of a feel-good story tonight and do two next week? Yeah, we can okay. do that. Okay, that's what we're going to do. I still owe all you guys Get one. Get a mulligan. Yep, um, but the, I, I owe you two next week, and I'll come with two really good ones. But I, I think Matt's this, this week is pretty good.
1: So, all right, PE class the other day. You know, it gets a little tense around school with everything going on and everything. You know, you just kind of need that little light at the end of the tunnel sometimes well thursday last week kids always are begging to play dodgeball and i was just like you know what i'm gonna let them play dodgeball today and so fifth grade class is in there they're playing we're playing this game called poison ball uh if you get out you go stand to the side like regular dodgeball and uh we throw out a different a ball of a different color out there well if you hit somebody on the other team with that ball everybody that's out gets to come back in or if you catch it the whole your whole team gets to come back in well we were down to it they were playing and it was an intense game and this one little girl just kind of stands at the back you know she's pretty quiet just a little small little girl and i'm just like she's the last one in and everybody's yelling get the poison ball throw it and i'm just like oh please just you know nobody just come up and whip one at her and hit her and you know right in the face or something i'm right. just like just i'm like just pick a ball up go running up there throw it let those guys catch it we'll end the game right here well she runs out there and she picks up the poison ball and she goes running up to half court and just throws the ball up in the air and turns around and runs back to the back wall again and i'm just like all right catch the ball we'll get the game over with and there was a boy over on the other team he went over flying over there he was going to catch that ball and end the game and he slides to make the catch, and it hits his hands, and it bounces off, and it hits the floor. So her whole team gets to come back, and I was just like, <laughs> I started jumping up and down, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I'm yelling her name, like yeah, I'm just yeah. like, woo! And her whole team is running over there; they're just yelling her name. They're like, awesome! Way to you know that's awesome! And you know the game's still the game's still going on. And all of a sudden, I look over there, and she's just got tears coming just streaming down her face, and I'm just like, I was like, are, are, what's the matter? Are you okay? And she's like just so happy right now (laughs) she's like i can't believe that i got him out
0: i'm so happy right now this is just awesome
1: you know and i was just like that is so cool and you know and she finally you know her team ends up winning the game because of that and uh after class she's lined up at the door and she's the you know she's still you know just uh, fighting back the tears and stuff and she's just like i you know this i just can't wait to get home and tell my mom today you know this is i just can't wait to tell her this story so i was just like man that was just oh it was just one of the coolest things that i've had you know you have those stories that you'll probably tell for years to come and, right i mean it was just cool just to kind of see her like have her moment to shine and
0: yep You know, I, I think that's one of the things like with us adults, you know, I think we look at all these little things and, and, you know, bah, they're just little things. They're just little things, you know, bah, it's just a dodgeball game or, you know, ah, you know, whatever. But like this stuff is like the stuff that like means the world to these kids, you know, know. you know, catching one single fish, you (laughs) know, I mean, just all that stuff. And I mean, I I really think a lot of us need to tap the brakes and, and sit back and, and, you know realize that a lot of these little things you know are are, you know way more important than what we really probably ever give them credit for
1: oh for sure so oh that was a good one yeah
0: i'm i'm glad i i'm glad i'm taking a mulligan don't expect two that good next week but i will be coming with two next week no
1: i'm sure there'll be good ones so
0: all right guys well that was episode 91 we will see you next week on episode 92 later